Hello and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Brazil. This is a show where I get to talk about sports, I get to talk about business, and I get to talk about everything in between. Today, my incredible guest, I have Michael Lucier. He's the CEO of Point Three. Spent some time with the MLB, spent some time with the NFL. Most importantly, he's a Mets fan like myself. Michael, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm great. As you said, wish we had done a little bit better coming off the weekend, but bullish on the um, the growth of uh, Lindor and, and what lies ahead, which yes. which us Met fans have not been able to say for a long time. No, no, we have not. So I'm, I'm excited. Uh, I went into this season just being like, wow, so this is what like normal teams feel like. It's like, <laughs> kind of cool when your owners are capable. Let's just use yes. that word. But yes. we don't need to talk too much about the Mets because we could lament all day. There's really no point in doing that. Misery. What is misery love, Michael? Misery Jets company. <laughs> Touche. Uh, I'm a Giants fan, so I at least have a little bit of happiness. I had a little bit of happiness in my life at one point. But most importantly, again, I get to talk to you today. CEO of Point Three, a performance apparel brand. Very excited. We kind of went over it a little bit beforehand, but excited for you to tell me it again. But the first question I have for everybody on the For the Love of Sports podcast is, why do you love sports so much? Mm, man, what a great question. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough at a young age, like probably so many of your listeners and you, like we work hard. We spend a lot of our waking hours doing whatever it is that you do to make a living. And when I came up with the idea, what when I thought about how much time we spent, I couldn't imagine doing anything other than working in the sports business. It's all I've done uh, after my wife and children, basketball, mostly basketball, but sports in general has certainly been you know, it's what, it's what you, it's what we do. I, I don't know how else to say it other than it's what we do. It's, it, it, it provides, um, community. It provides bonding. It provides fitness, um, competition, all, all, all the things that make life worth living. Many things you learn in sports really don't get the opportunity to learn them anywhere else. And I, I agree with all that, right? Competition, learning, um, discipline, hard work, time, you know, time management, all those things you can learn through sports. And I think it's uh, it's also fun, right? Like that's the other aspect of it. So few people talk about how enjoyable it is to just like play basketball with your friends yeah. on the weekend, right? It's just something fun to do. And then you get all those other things that are included on top of it, which is fun, um, which is always nice as well. So yeah, very, very excited again to have you here talk a little bit about the business side. We're going to obviously kind of go in and out of the business and the sports and kind of hit that Venn diagram in the middle as much as we can. Uh, and I do want to learn a little bit more. I mean, it was a few years ago now, but you spent some time with the MLB and the NFL. And as I told you, one of the most important questions I like to get across when I when I have incredible people like yourself on the show is, how did you break into the sports industry? Right now, this is a little a little different time, right? Things are different now in 2021 20, than they were in you know early 2000s, obviously with technology and everything that's happened. But I guess like how how did you view it? As you said, if there was something you were going to put you know 60 to 80 hours a week into doing, it's going to be sports. And I made that exact same decision after hating my first job. I said, I'm never going to not work in sports. I'd rather hate my job in sports because then there's something redeemable. If I just hate Absolutely. my job, there's nothing redeemable at it. I don't care what the paycheck is. So tell me a little bit, how, how did you get into, and, and what was the idea behind, especially back when, when you were kind of figuring out the job landscape, getting into the sports industry, why, how, and when you did that? Well, to all the 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 young the young heads, the the young bucks and up and comers, I I can tell you that I had the benefit of just being an early adopter. Uh, I went to Ithaca College. Um, Beautiful. Started there in 1993, and I went there for two reasons. Number one, I thought I could play D three hoops. Number two, at the time, it was one of like five 
undergraduate sport management programs in the country. Wow. Um, the answer to question one is I was not good enough to play mm. Division three basketball. Worth a shot, but, though. But Worth yeah, I, I played for you know a, a season, and and the idea of this college is too fun to play JV basketball. Um, <laughs> but I did walk away with a degree in sport management, um, and and that was, I mean, that in and of itself was why I went there. Um, I started uh, at the time, man, this is going back a lot of years. Um, the NBA used to come to the Ithaca College campus to recruit interns. Uh, and I'll never forget their, you know, they had two HR people that, that schlepped up to Ithaca. And I got an internship first with the NBA in this, and that would have been fall of 95. And for those of you that, that follow NBA history, that was when they were in the midst of a lockout. So I had to scramble. I hadn't registered for classes. And my advisor got me placed at Major League Baseball working in the PR department the season after their strike, which was a fascinating time to be doing PR for Major League Baseball. Oh, and my job, yeah. which was, which is now so, makes me sound so old. It's totally obsolete. I used to get a stack, a knee-high stack of newspapers that would land on my desk at 7 a.m. every day. And I had to physically cut out every article about Major League Baseball, tape it to a piece, piece of legal paper, and runoff copies for every executive in the office, which of course literally doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, um, those are just screenshots so, and emails now. That's that's exactly a lot right. easier, so, a lot less waste of paper too. Which is oh God, <laughs> I used to I used to wrestle that copy machine. I said some some very regrettable things to that that nice piece of of hardware. Um, so I was fortunate enough after college to have a chance. I got a job offer, um, and. Um, I worked in the international department of major league baseball again at a really exciting time. It was right when, uh, so it was 97, 98. And it was right when the, the prevalence of international players started spiking. Um, and the business area that I focused on was Asia. And those were the early days of, of, you know, Chan Ho Park and, mm -hmm. and, um, Hideo Nomo. And, and I was very fortunate to, I was selling sponsorship and doing marketing in Japan, in 2001, when Ichiro won the Rookie of the Year and MVP, and and my job was basically to fly over to Japan and collect checks. It was oh, awesome. at that point especially, yeah. I mean, yeah. they, I mean, they still, you know, they, you know, speaking of, you know, the, any any time there's a very prevalent, um, you know, Japanese or, or Chinese player, and really any of these major leagues, like those companies just want to hand over money and it's because they're such huge superstars, right? Like looking at uh, Hideki Matsuyama just won the the masters and they were talking about, you know how much money this guy's going to make for the rest of his life, just yeah. knowing he's the first Japanese born player to win the masters. Right. So it's, it's so cool. And when you got to do that was like the beginning, right? Like, that must've been yeah. such a cool experience too. As you said, it was kind of fun to just go collect checks, but what, what did you learn from that experience that you're probably not going to learn anywhere else? Yeah, I mean, I'm obviously joking. It was a lot of work, and and course, and what yeah. we what we loved at the time was the international group. It was kind of like a startup within a bigger company. We were sort of the renegade, like, I mean, spending ten to twelve days a month on the road in a in a in a, in a slow month. Um, we were. It was the first time that Major League Baseball ever held um, uh, regular season games overseas, so got to be part of this sort of team that just you know. Like I said, now that I run my own business and and I am the founder, I learned so many great lessons about just just get her done. Like there's it, it's when you look under the hood, it's it's rarely pretty. And if it is, maybe the business isn't growing fast mm -hmm. enough or or not pushing itself. Um, so just these incredible stories of whatever it takes to 
get the event produced, make sure that the sponsors are happy, get the broadcast done right. Um, that was what we did for the first six, five, six years of my career. Um, so it was, it was an incredible experience. It was led by, I mean, guys that I'm and girls that I'm still friends with today. Uh, it's such a wonderful spongy time in an executive's career that those first five years out, you're just taking everything in and you can grind and you can work 80, 90. You have the, the legs to work that much. So I remember those days really fondly. And, and, and a lot of the lessons that I, both to the young cats that are here in my office now, and in terms of where I, how I run this business, I think I learned a lot in those first four or five years of, of being in the professional workspace. Yeah, that must have just been such a just such an interesting time, as you said, just the opportunity to really kind of be at the forefront of a lot of that stuff, right? As you said, Hideo Nomo, Ichiro, like some of the biggest stars around the world were here and you got to yeah. kind of, I guess, did you like maybe even like create that template kind of, right? Like you were the first guy, you, you and your team were kind of the first people to take, take this head on and you kind of built that foundation to see what it is now and, you know, all the incredible players that have come since. And you also spent a little bit of time at the NFL as an executive as well. What were you doing there? And I guess, what was that transition like going from, you know, Major League Baseball, kind of old boys club, like all this kind of like stuck in the Stone Age still and it's 2021, going to the NFL where all they do is print money there as well. Yeah, uh, I, I took the opportunity. I mean, I'd started at Major League Baseball as an intern in 95. And, and so it's often hard to shake. I was still the kid that used to bring the clips around. And here yep. I am, 28, 29. I've got a, you know, $30 million revenue budget that I've got to hit. And I'm still like, oh, that's the kid that used to deliver the, mm-hmm. you know, things I would read in the bathroom, whatever. So um, <laughs> part of it was just, I think I plateaued. Uh, but the other thing was in 2002, when I switched over to the NFL, it was really coming of age, both as a business, but mostly as a media property. And I had a chance to go work on the media business at the NFL. So I was taking my experience in Asia, my contact network, and selling media rights to international broadcasters, primarily in Asia for NFL games. So for anyone that would have watched a Super Bowl when mm-hmm. they were overseas, my department would have done the broadcast deal with that local television network. So, um, you know, probably the, the, the landmark deal that we did when I was there was we got the, the Super Bowl. In fact, it was the, uh, the Super Bowl from Houston, uh, the Janet Jackson wardrobe malfunction. Oh, uh, yeah, that one. We got that broadcast live on um nationally on on cctv which is the government-owned broadcaster so uh, just again a tremendous experience and a chance to experience new cultures and be part of this you know enterprise this beast of a business and and you're right going from major league baseball but where it was it's very much an old boys network and love of the game and, and baseball lifers to to the nfl where like there were as many goldman execs there as there were mm-hmm. guys that had played football um, so it was, a, it was, for me, it was a really nice rounding out of the experience, uh, again, learned a ton. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, it was, it was a very, and the NFL, same thing had just started exploring, mm-hmm. uh, the international series and all the amazing games they've done in, in London and, and in other markets. So it was a, it was a great time to, to be there, albeit with a very different rationale, right? This. There aren't a lot, there aren't hardly any NFL players from overseas. Mm-hmm. So you're not taking that same strategy of, I love this guy because I wear the flag on my chest. It's more about kind of the curiosity of what this game is and how big these guys are and how hard they hit and the strategy. So it was a, a different value prop that we were selling to the consumer. And that was also a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, the NFL's 
cutting checks for hundred or people are cutting checks to the NFL for a hundred billion dollars. I wish you, I'm sure you a little piece of you probably wishes you were a part of that deal too, but uh, there's no point in digressing. You're doing some cool stuff now. So I have to understand a little bit there. I think there was a little bit of time in between from your, your uh, stop at the NFL to what you're doing now at point three, but how walk me through that. You go from the MLB as an intern doing inter, then you're, then you're working with international players and rights and just working with international players and rights at the NFL. And now Again, there's something in between, but now you're yeah. making performance apparel. So how how do how the heck does that all happen? Yeah. So just the quick trajectory was that I I met my wife and and we knew we were going to leave Brooklyn where we were living and move down to Atlanta, which is where we live now. So we took an opportunity to uh, take six months, and I worked for um, a legend in the business, Rick Burton, who's a professor of sports marketing now at uh, Syracuse University. At that time, he was the commissioner of the National Basketball League of Australia, and his charter was to grow the, the footprint and reach of the NBL of Australia throughout Asia, which was exactly what I had mm-hmm. done for the NFL. Yep. So I moved to Sydney to work with Rick about growing Australian basketball. And we opened a team in Singapore, the Singapore Slingers, and we did a couple rights deals in the Philippines, but mostly it was a chance to live in Australia. Um, How often back, did you get that chance, right? You I mean, well, for six months, you might as well take it, right? It was amazing. It was a it was a fabulous time. We didn't have kids yet. Surfed a lot. It was it was fantastic. Uh, moved to Atlanta and got involved in a uh, software startup called Blue Sombrero, which uh, uh, the core business is online registration for youth sports events, really with a focus on 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 soccer. Uh, and we built that business up from, I was the third managing partner, fourth employee. So I joined the two co-founders to get it started. Um, and over the course of three and a half years, built it up to about 25 employees and we sold it to Dick's Sporting Goods. Um, you can imagine why Dick's wants to interject themselves mm-hmm. into mom, dad registers kid for soccer. How about you buy some cleats, some shin guards, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. Um, so that. I left that business in 09, that transaction closed in 11, but it gave me a chance to take a pause, think about what I wanted to do. And the transition of garments, uh, it's funny, my, um, I come from knitters on both sides of my family. Uh, so, many, so many Jews out there, we're uh-huh. all from the, 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 the Shimada business. My mom was in fashion design for over 30 years. And the, the origin of Point Three was, was truly organic. Um, it was burst on a basketball court. Uh, when I exited my last business, I started getting back into shape, playing a lot of hoop, two, three hours a day in a hot gym, summer of 09. And I would sweat so much. I'd wear sleeveless tops. My hands would become saturated with moisture. Uh, and again, I'm figuring out what do I want to do. My second daughter's born. I'm, my head's in a, in a whirlwind. But being on the basketball court, to your point earlier about sports, it grounds you. Uh, it, it, it just gives peace in, in so many ways, for me at least. And so I'd play really hard and get a sweat. I would sweat so much that my hands would become saturated with moisture to the point where I couldn't control the ball. So I started stealing my wife's kitchen towels. She went to culinary school. So we have like a whole assortment of, you know, what chefs would use. And I'd hang it over my waistband like a quarterback does in football so I could dry my hands off without leaving the court. My now business partner made a joke and said, you can get some safety pins, pin that towel to the side of your shorts. And we were like, shit. I don't know if I can curse. Sorry. Dang. You that's did it. A, I'm not going to say yeah, anything. But... There we go. Uh, that's a really good idea. Um, so we filed for a patent in 2009 and that patent was granted in 2014. And it basically describes a towel built into your shorts, an absorbent exterior built into a moisture wicking garment. Um, so I didn't start the business because 
I don't like working for other people, or I had this itch. It was this idea that wouldn't leave my head. And, and the, the thought of not pursuing it would have been, and all you talk about regrets on the other side of the, the path not taken, this would have been, you know, even worse. So raise some money, uh, had some really good people get behind us early and we got after it. And now, uh, 10, almost 11 years later, um, we've built a basketball brand called point three that's wrapped around this really valuable piece of intellectual property. Um, and we've built a really strong basketball business rooted in, in grassroots team uniforms and direct to consumer. Um, we license our technology out to other apparel brands. Mm -hmm. So you'll start seeing it in apparel for racket sports, CrossFit and training. And we've extended the brand in this pandemic year into gaming. So we now make a line of performance gaming apparel because you can imagine why if you're an avid gamer, um, you're trying to become a professional gamer or a streamer, sweaty hands can become a real mm -hmm. issue. Uh, we've known this, we've done a ton of market research and there's really very few really quality options uh, in the apparel space for gamers. So we rolled out a lot of performance gaming apparel. We beta tested it last summer, rolled it out in, in November of um, 20. Huge success, rocket ship of growth. Have a couple of really fun deals that we'll be announcing over the next few months. But uh, it's taken all life of its own. It's re-energized me and my team, which everyone in my office is, you know, 20-something basketball heads. Mm -hmm. They're all gamers, you know, and and so – it's been really fun to just approach this from a totally different angle. And, and the consumer's the same, right? You, you pick 100 hoopers aged 11 to 18, 99 of them are gamers as well. So we know where the consumer lives. We know how to talk to them. We know how to reach them. We know what they like. And so it's a pretty uh, relatively easy lead mm -hmm. from we make this, this brand that you trust that makes great performance basketball apparel with this really cool technology. Well, now it works and we poured it over into gaming. And that's been a, a really fun exercise, a heady one and a lot of work, but it's been a fun one that uh, is now beginning to bear some real fruit. Yeah. And I, I think, again, you know, something I always love to talk about is, you know, being staying positive and being positive and, and turning a negative, the pandemic, into something uh, positive if and when possible. And it's very clear that you guys and girls were able to do that uh, and turn it into something that could be absolutely gigantic because, yeah, I mean, I'm not a gamer by any means, right? But I played enough video games in my life and I get clammy hands <laughs> as easy as it is. And what do you do? You just wipe them off on your pants and you kind of just go back to it. And if there's an actual piece of apparel that does that better than the rest, let's take advantage of it. Right. So yeah. I guess I kind of want to go back to the beginning of the story a little bit before we kind of get into some of the intricacies here. How, what is like, okay. So it went from a kitchen towel on your waistband. Like how do you even start that process of saying, well, like I want to do this. Okay. What the hell do you do from there? What, what, are, what are those steps? Like, it's, I feel like you kind of can just kind of throw a bunch of stuff in a bunch of directions and see what sticks. Like, how did you guys yeah. then go about actually creating the product itself? Yeah, it's a really good question. And, and it was a lot of work. Um, so I have the fortune of um, coming from um, both sides of my family, as mm -hmm. I mentioned, were, were knitters. And, and my mom spent 30 plus years in fashion design. So I knew enough to be dangerous and I knew where to go to get the right questions answered. Okay. There you uh, this go. was 2009, 2010. Um, so we were very fortunate. Uh, I was at a trade show and met um, a fabric mill that had the right type of fabric that we were able to test and develop. And the, the group that owns the mill turns out I had a personal connection with, and they were one of our early stage investors. So they, uh, you know, anytime you start something, right, there's, 
a crash course in knowledge, you're reading books, you're looking up stuff on the internet. And, and really there's going to be a couple of people that you look back on and you were like, I don't know what I would have done if mm -hmm. that person didn't believe, right? When you start something from an idea, you're constantly selling, right? Like, and so I may be talking to a vendor who's going to make my stuff. So I'll be their customer, but they need to believe in what we're going to do or else why would they take the risk on working with us? You know, starting something, especially in the apparel space, all of the expense, the the profit goes away on the front end development. You make it back if you start burning, turning and burning mm -hmm. a ton of units. So we were very fortunate to get paired up with some really, really bright people that kind of gave me a crash course on how to do things in the apparel world. Um, a lot of trial and error, a lot of mistakes made, um, but it led to what is now a, you know, a very healthy business where we outfit over 2000 basketball teams that hit the court every year. We're official partners with the New York Knicks, Brooklyn Nets, Atlanta Hawks for all their youth programs. Um, and, and there's just a lot of hoopers out there wearing our gear, rocking our backpacks, uh, and now gamers doing it as well. So, mm -hmm. um, the, the, the work paid off. And so with, um, with that, when you did, you were able to kind of figure out the perfect blend and get the fabric right and get everything right. How, as you said, you kind of went the grassroots way of marketing it, trying to get it into, you know, young kids hands. Why, why did you go that route versus maybe some of the others you could have went, especially, you know, early 2010s. That's like social media, like galore. That's where anyone could put something up on Facebook and they'd be like, yeah, sure. 8,000 million people can look at that. Like how, why, why was it the grassroots um, marketing? And, and obviously it's paid off, but I'm curious how you guys went about that and why. Two two reasons. Again, good question. Number Thanks. one, I mean, it's when we got out the gates, it was as much market research as it was marketing, right? Mm -hmm. Like the first three years, it was me and two employees out at tournaments, sweating with, you know, we, we, we talk about point of sweat marketing, right? If we can't be out there on the court with these kids and these these people that love the game, then we're not doing it for the right reason. So a lot of it was staying true and authentic to the mission, which was prior to extending into other sports was always to be the, the brand for basketball players, to be the brand that embodies this love of the game that anybody that's connected to basketball knows and understands. Um, so I think that was first, it was really to uh, understand that grassroots space that we kind of knew and could authentically play in, but, but really get, get dirty with it. The second is that, I mean, there's, there were three, there's really two brands that dominate the space. There's really one brand that dominates the space. Yeah. Uh, and it, and it's the swoosh and, and, and they make Sorry. things. I, I should have gotten a shirt beforehand. My oh, bad. My yeah, bad. Yeah, I, I, bad. Oh, well, look, we, it's actually covered up. Look, perfect. Can't even that see is, it. That, that's we're, we're, we're accustomed <laughs> to it. Uh, there's been, um, we've had a long, a long history with, with those guys and, and you can't operate in this space and not butt heads and come up against them. If, if you want to take market share, you, you got to, you know, be ready to not get bullied. So I think finding the pockets that probably wouldn't be meaningful to a Nike or Adidas, but for us mm -hmm. was a meaningful piece of business and a way to connect with the consumer. So we, when we launched, we actually, our first line was picked up at Models. Um, we were carried in 20 stores in the New York, New Jersey, and Philadelphia markets. Um, we, we built a huge, it was summer, spring, summer of, of 11. And we built an extensive grassroots marketing campaign. We worked with a bunch of street ballers um, and it sold well, but we couldn't make any money because we didn't have scale. Mm -hmm. So we realized quickly that yes, could we sell it into wholesale? Sure. Could wholesale get good sell through? Sure. 
that deck is stacked in favor of the big boys. So when we would go out to tournaments after that, we'd sell hand-to-hand -hand combat, right? Hey, you ever heard of this? What happens when your hands get sweaty? I wipe them here. Try these shorts. Boom. Short sale. Like it was one for one. And we started getting coaches coming up to us being like, that's a dope idea. Like, do you guys make uniforms? And we're like, shit. Yeah, yes. sure. We make uniforms. Of course we make uniforms. We, we take some uniforms. <laughs> we take them to the cut and sew. They tear them up. We put the material in there. Um, we probably extended the reach of our patent beyond what the, the USPTO would have allowed us to do. But but we we went where the business was, like any good entrepreneur would. And and now that that's become our largest gross volume driver. Uh, and we have exclusive partnerships with the four largest grassroots event operators. So like this past weekend, we had teams at three different events in three different states. We reached a thousand youth basketball teams. And we're there, we're selling point through merchandise. We're selling the official event merchandise. And we have a deal with Overtime, with the media company, mm -hmm. where we're selling their gear on site as well. But we're still hand-to-hand -hand combat, grassroots. It's what we're about. And, and it's what we'll do as we extend into gaming as well. We want to stay authentic to that consumer. Yeah, I think that that is, I mean, that's what you have to do, right? You don't see Nike and Adidas. Um, you don't really see them doing that kind of stuff, unless it's at those just major, major, major events. But obviously, they're going to have to be there. And then you also said that you're, you're working with some NBA teams. And you said the Knicks, the Nets, and I apologize, I forget, is the Hawks the third one? We, yeah, we had been with the Hawks for six okay. years doing their, their junior NBA program. So okay. for the... The kids that'll be playing Nick summer camp, mm -hmm. uh, they'll be wearing Nick's branded point three gear. And same thing, right? Uh, I think Under Armour just backed out, but Nike has the on-court rights. I think Under Armour used to have junior NBA rights, but on a team by team basis, they have these extensive outreach programs into the community with youth with youth basketball entities. Mm -hmm. And th again, that for us, that's where we live. And so does Adidas or Nike care to uh, outfit 40 different YMCAs in one area that each has a different logo and a different numbering scheme, you know, that that's not their business, mm -hmm. but that's what we do. Uh, so that's been a, that's been a fun one for us to get, get our hands dirty on. And so you were talking about before, like getting to scale. Now this doesn't really, one-to-one -one is not scale. That's the total opposite of scale, right? So how do you get the, is it more of a branding play? Like, is it, is, do you have some ideas down the line? Because at some point you have to scale because that's how you're going to make money as you well know, as most people well know. So what is, I mean, you don't have to give us the whole roadmap into the playbook, but again, just going one-to-one, -one, you're never going to scale. It's almost impossible. How are you going to get to that point? So we had a, a really a breakthrough 2018 where we had figured out the model on how to sell to teams. Um, Q3 of 18, we did a deal with Baron Davis, former NBA awesome. all-star, very active him. Such a great guy. He's Such a man. nice guy. He is a creative visionary and a genius. Mm -hmm. um, and the idea that we worked on with Baron was, can we leverage all of these teams that are wearing our gear? And all these tournaments where we're the exclusive and only apparel partner out there as a way to drive direct-to-consumer adoption of the brand. So if there's 150,000 kids that are wearing point three uniforms, we sell direct to those coaches so we can get to those kids. When we're out interacting at these tournaments, we're reaching a quarter of a million kids from March through until August. And this is these are our people interacting directly with players and coaches. Mm -hmm. Can we find a way to incentivize them to come to our site and have point three be their chosen basketball apparel brand. So we, we, we spent all of 2019 in a beta test figuring that out. And we had some incredible stats uh, of the 10,000 transactions we did um, in the late part of, and this is at event retail, 16% of them 
that had never heard of point three and didn't even buy a point three item would end up coming to our site and made a purchase around holiday. So we found a net profitable, super effective customer acquisition tool that allows us to maintain our core business, which is grassroots team uniform sales, but uses that as a lever to drive people to try point three and become loyalists of the brand. Uh, and it's been hugely successful. Obviously 2020 put a pretty big dent in that, uh, mm -hmm. but that was heading out of 18 into 19. That was the the whole purpose of the year was to drive our direct to consumer business. And 19 was awesome. We, we like so many businesses, we had a great year. We were heading for, we're like, we, we figured this bad boy out, you know, mm -hmm. better mousetrap in, in 2020. So, but now we're back at it. Basketball is back. Um, you know, we're back out of tournaments. We got a ton of teams wearing our gear. So, and now we've got this gaming bolt on, which is really exciting. And and we're going to get to the gaming. I promise you that, but I, I have, to, I mean, I would not be doing my job if I didn't ask at least, what are you doing on the user acquisition side? That's so successful. Um, so a couple things. Um, we, we are now like so many brands. We had a great run with social media. Mm -hmm. um, uh, man, it was a great run. And, and, and now the space <laughs> Those are the days, right? And, yep. and, and the privacy notifications, everything have made it really challenging. So what, what we, and what we probably, I would say, if I could go back in time, we were so focused on customer acquisition and it was very transactional that we probably missed some of the storytelling and, and all the um, less the science and more the art mm -hmm. of, of mm -hmm. what does this brand mean? What do you feel like when you see point three? And, and so now our focus is we're doing a lot of content. Um, we are connecting directly with our consumer. Um, we are at, I mean, like I said, by the time the summer's over, we will have had our traveling pop-up retail booth at 50 different youth basketball wow. tournaments all across the country. Mm -hmm. um, so still very much hand-to-hand -hand combat, like, and we love it. And this is what my whole team is, is about. And so, but now what we're doing is, right, if you were at um, the Bob Gibbons Tournament of Champions in Suwannee, Georgia this weekend, and you wanted to pick up the official Bob Gibbons hoodie, you buy that from us. We are the we are hoop scene that puts on that event. We're their exclusive retail partner. Mm -hmm. So you may go to that event. You might want to buy the official event hoodie. You might want to buy a point three backpack. You might want to buy an overtime T-shirt. We we are we are working with that customer. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think that for us has been a really great way to learn. And and um, so and and I think there's more opportunity for scale with that. I think that's um, between the brand storytelling. Um, like, like we said, we're watching the world move pretty fast. So, uh, but, but being, being on the court is it's what we're about. It's what drives us. And it's something that we'll always do. I love that, man. And yeah, over time, if they were not just bought out, they were valued uh, at a pretty high number. I, I can't remember yeah. the exact story there. So you're, you're working with some good people, which I think is mm -hmm. really cool. And, and as you brought up a couple of times, as I even said before, you know, the, the, the gaming space uh, now really getting into that. I was told about this partnership, so I think I can say it. The Johnson, uh, the Johnson C. Smith University esports team, they're an HBCU that you guys have partnered with uh, for the um, for the team and what they're doing. And so I guess you know you, you kind of talked about it before the pandemic bred this idea and this opportunity. And now, as you were talking, I mean, this could potentially end up being bigger than your basketball business at one point in time, right? So talk to me a little bit about why you really like this esports space. And and you talked about it a little bit before, kind of the demographic is. It's mostly just two circles lapped over each other, right? That's not even a Venn diagram at that point. But talk to me about this space and why you're so bullish on on esports, particularly again with 
performance apparel, which, you know, if you talk to my parents or you pick someone off the street, they're probably not going to be like, yeah, of course those esports kids needs performance apparel. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it's been a bit of a, um, a bit of a leap for us to look at, you know, if you think about what's an athlete, right. And, and, and I think some of the hardcore guys in my and girls mm-hmm. in my generation, you know, an athlete is someone that's dedicated to their craft. They practice it to become the best that they can be. And whether that involves, you know, quick twitch motions of, you know, first person shooter games or, you know, being strong enough to break through an, an O line, uh, you know, at the line of scrimmage and, and, you know, gain five yards, we can debate this one for days, but yes. I, we've, we've made the argument, you know, so I, I, it, it's, there's a story that's probably best illustrative of this. So pandemic hits, we, we had a great 19. We order, we take a big swing on some inventory and two containers of goods uh, arrive from China onto my warehouse the first week of March. Fantastic. Wor- Perfect yeah, time. The, the world shuts down the second week of March. So um, we have our oh shit moment, obviously, like so many businesses did. We we decided we're going to dig our heels in and, and figure this thing out. And gaming was the natural, like, where are we going to test? How are we going to use our time? So we had a whole cadre of interns and we sent out influ we sent kits out to influencers of our basketball shorts and we were like we think these can be gamer shorts what do you think and we got a literally we got a call into the office from um a kid uh who was his his gamer tag is mama i'm that man he was the mvp of the 2019 nba 2k league nice and he literally called the office he's like what the hell are these shorts so all I want to play in, my whole team wants him. So he was the captain of Blazers Gaming and just a natural born endorser and a great kid. Um, so we had a couple really good strokes of luck. So my CMO is negotiating with, with his name is Nadal, great dude. And so we're trying to get him on the phone and, and Josh calls him and he's like, hey man, I only got a few minutes. I got to go get some shots up. And he kind of pauses and he's like, wait, do you, do you mean like really? He's like, no, no, I'll play video games. <laughs> but it's that same idea yeah. of like, uh-huh. if I had practice, I got to go early and get shots up. Mm-hmm. And that for us was a bit of a, of a eureka moment where it was like, dang, like this is his craft. He's honing this craft. He wants to be a professional gamer. And so just like I would go out when I want, thought I was going to make the Ithaca college basketball team and just get shots up or, you know, practice what I was doing, same thing. And if we can provide you with some gear that's going to help you perform at your peak, well, that isn't that performance apparel, right? So um, the story, so at the time there was no sports on, the 2K League was being broadcast on ESPN. On that the Deuce. was the first time I ever downloaded, I downloaded Twitch that week. I was like, yep. I need to watch anything at this point. Yeah. I'll watch people play video games. Now I kind of like it. I mean, again, it's just yeah. the best people in the world doing their thing. It's fun. You always want to yep. watch high competition. Yeah, that's kind of how I got into it. Yep. Makes sense. So, so it got the story got picked up on ESPN.com about what was at the time the first ever player endorsement deal in the history of the NBA 2K League, and we treated it like a sneaker collab, mm-hmm. right? So just like you know Kyrie or or Paul George has their signature shoe, we made him signature shorts, and we released a line that had his Datman logo, helped him create a logo, and we built the Datman brand for him, um, and he went out like two days after the announcement. And he he was through three quarters. He had scored 77 points against Wizards Gaming, pacing for the all-time record. And Wizards Gaming, for almost the entirety of the fourth quarter, did a four corners just to uh. keep him from getting the record. And my man went on on onto his Twitter account 
and just started talking shit. And he was like, you can't hang with me. You need these shorts if you want to hang with me. <laughs> we sold a ton of shorts. Yep. Oh, I love it. So we're like, all right, product market fit, check. It um, worked. Yeah. And and then we went on and we did um, a couple smaller deals. There's a local team here in Atlanta called Ghost Gaming. We did a collab with those guys. Um, but, but the most fun, so, right, we know that sweaty hands is an issue for gamers, one. We've confirmed product market fit, two. So now the work starts, which is talk to as many gamers as we can. We've done, gosh, 1,500 individual interviews with gamers and basketball players to understand their habits and what they think about the apparel market and what their buying habits are. And so, okay, where does this consumer live? Can we reach them? And then maybe most importantly, does the point three brand translate? Mm-hmm. And so point three, which we're dropping a t-shirt, I think tomorrow or the day after, we, we should do a better job of telling our brand story, which is 0.3 seconds, the shortest amount of time to get a shot off in a, in a basketball game. Well, football's a game of inches, basketball's a game of tenths of seconds. This is elemental to gaming. Mm-hmm. And so we know that we're addressing a problem. We know that we know where the consumer is and the brand translates. So we're like, all right, we're on to something here. Um, then we had an all, all staff meeting. This was the most fun meeting probably all 2020. And we always nerd out on products and we're like, all right, we know we make great, like specialized performance basketball apparel. You guys are all gamers. What do you wish you had? And it was like, you could hear the synapses connecting. It was like, you know, and so we've actually got product and development now that we started thinking about in May of last year of what addresses not just a need for sweaty hands, but, you know, things like movement. You know, we studied how, how people sat when they gamed and, and w- we talked to people about where their pain points were and what they wish they had. And then the staff got to work. And that's the fun part for us is like, how can we make gear that addresses these issues? So we released the first drops in, in November. Uh, in March, we did a really exciting collaboration with um, an esports team called Evil Geniuses, which is probably one of the oldest and most storied mm-hmm. esports franchises around. They've been here since 99. Um, and we did a collab with those guys that's still live now for some Evil Genius branded gear that their, their, their players are outfitting. We'll have another announcement in about two weeks with another major team that's on the LCS circuit. Uh, and then the Johnson C. Smith thing, which our friends at Next Up brought to us, was amazing. And and that was, you know, sometimes these deals are just because you get to talk to someone and you're like, God, I love, I love your passion. Their uh, advisor, Dr. Bernadette Lawson Cummings, i sorry if I'm not getting her name right, and the captain of the team were just like so captivating. And this tiny little 1400 student school is just like, we are bawling out. Like they're like, I think there's, I don't know how many HBCUs have esports programs. I think it's over 20, mm-hmm. but like Call of Duty, these guys are like the noted, like they are it. They, ha- they have it on lock and they are so hyped about it. So when we thought, who are we going to make some, some jerseys for? And our jerseys, it, it has some moisture absorbent areas on the side and on mm-hmm. the sleeve so you can dry it. And we made them some shorts and it's just been fun to watch these guys. They're still in a virtual environment. So mm-hmm. soon we'll see them back out of competition. But it's just been fun to watch these guys get geared up and 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 ball out. Um, so, yeah, we did. We announced that deal with Johnson C. Smith about a month and change ago. Uh, we've got a handful of other really exciting partnerships, both on the team side, on the branded side. Uh, but we've got a really good pipeline of product. That's what I'm most excited about. We got some stuff that will hit Q4 that's just – it's. When we go to basketball tournaments, we get told two things, right? So you, you say 
15 year old kid comes off the court, mm-hmm. little man, how was your game? He's like, oh man, we won, we lost. Cool, Did you, you worked up a good sweat, right? He's like, yeah, man, played hard. What do you do when you sweat? And they're always like wiping out, you know, and then we're like, we show them the shorts. And either them or their parents will say one or two things. Number one, damn, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> and two, have you been on Shark Tank? Which the oh, answer is yeah. no, we, we haven't, but it's, it's a good idea. And, and we, we go through this gaming stuff and we're like, my goodness, how has no one thought of this yet? It's seemingly pretty obvious ideas. If you're really thinking about what this, this gamer needs, mm-hmm. we have the capability to do it. We have the partnerships to be able to make it. We think we've got the audience to push it out to. Um, so it's been, it's been a lot of fun, uh, getting our, you know, really getting into the space and figuring out what makes these gamers tick and what gets them excited. And, uh, it's just really very early. We're, we're first, second inning still. So it's been fun. I love it, man. A couple runners on base too. It sounds like, and I, I think it's just, you know, it is one of those ideas where when you hear about it, you're like, well, duh. Like, as I said before, you know, you're, you're talking about getting in some other places. Like you literally grabbed a chef's towels. Like nobody, like quarterbacks use that. Like we see them use it constantly. Right. So it's just this thing. One of those things where we kind of, it just goes over everybody's head until you start talking about it. You're like, holy shit. Of course, this is a brilliant idea. Why didn't anybody think of that? Which I think is awesome. Yes, shout out to our friends over at Next Step, Joe, uh, Gerald, Sabrina, so many incredible, incredible people, Sarah, so many incredible people over there doing some yeah. cool stuff. So I do have one last question. I'm sure you got to go because you're an extremely busy guy. And I do sincerely appreciate your time. One more time, Michael Lusher, CEO of Point3. The, the business models, the way you're kind of describing them, right? With the basketball, it's like, hey, we're going after teams. We're going after coaches. We're going to try and sell and sell and sell. It seems like with the esports, while, yes, there are a lot of esports teams and they're up and coming and there's going to be colleges and everything. How do those kind of connect where this one kind of seems, as you said, you know, this is a team model. Like we're, th- we're trying to own this space grassroots. The esports model seems a little bit more of that one to one, which, again, you guys are great at the hand to hand. But there doesn't seem to be as much of that team aspect of it. Am I missing something? Is this something that is obvious to you guys? Like, how, how are these things going to kind of collide and collaborate together? Yeah, no, it's a really good question, Michael. And I think we're, we're learning every day. Um, whereas in the, in the team space for basketball, there's a way to leverage that and grow your DTC. We don't see as direct a connection. And, and candidly, I don't know that the market is all that mature when it comes mm-hmm. to esports, right? Yeah. So you think about esports is a subset of gaming. Esports are professional athletes that play for evil geniuses or ghost or insert name of mm-hmm. all the teams that are so now so widely reported on, you know, a lot of investment dollars going in and they're playing in these massive tournaments. Gaming is a much larger business, mm-hmm. which covers everything from those esports athletes to my sales guy, seven-year-old son, who every time he comes to the office has got his Nintendo Switch and he's he's ripping on Fortnite for four hours at a time. That's a gamer. So our approach, we, we've done a few esports deals. Um, there's some really meaningful, and these are some of the deals that are percolating right now, but influencers are incredibly popular all over the place. But in the gaming space, they carry a ton of weight. And thankfully, we have a very unique value proposition. Um, and it's one that's relatively easy to communicate and easy to understand. And without you know throwing shade to the other handful of companies that are out there doing gaming apparel, there's nothing that other than a brand that mm-hmm. is probably, you know, endeavoring to become the supreme of gaming, right? Scarcity, limited drops, streetwear looking styles and photography. Um, there's a ton of white space in that. Like, I want to look right. I want to, I want to feel right. And I want to perform. So 
we, we look at a day in the life of our muse and it is this 15 to 16 year old kid. And, and so the analogy I always make is um, my wife gets up in the morning and she puts on her Lululemon or her athleta or her athleisure. And that's her uniform for the day. And she may go take a yoga class. She may go for a walk with her friends. She may go to work. She may go to Trader Joe's, but that's her uniform. We are, and this is sort of the, this is the piece I'm probably most excited about, but we see this modern athlete developing. And it's this kid who's always ready to play. And there's this blending of, I take this off for gym and I put this back on for school and I take this off. Like the world is, is coming where you should be able to wear what you want day round, wake up, put that right. The uniform for the kid is shorts and a t-shirt, maybe compression tights in the summer, joggers and a hoodie in the winter. And they're ripping that through school. They're, maybe they're going to practice where they got to wear a uniform, but maybe they're going to the court and playing knockout or 21, going home, homework, time with the family, and then they're gaming. And so we want to be the uniform for this modern athlete. And then, and I get, again, I get into this brand storytelling. We, we, we feel like we've got a, a real credible case to make the leap that so many performance brands have been unable to do, which is lifestyle. We are truly part of their lifestyle. And if we think about this muse, like what this kid wants, we've got it nailed. Like we know how you live. We know what your life is like. We know your lifestyle. And that allows us to bridge the gap into, yes, we are here for performance, but we also have the styles and the chops in a performance apparel space and in a design space to give you what you want to wear all day long. And then it becomes a relatively simple idea of communicating that message, developing brand loyalists, and then we can see the scalable growth that you're talking about. I love it, man. That is awesome. I'm excited to say I remember when. It's always fun about this show because I've had some incredible people on here, Michael, and I'm very, very grateful to add you to the list. So give us all the information. Where are we following you on social? Where are we following you specifically in case you're mm -hmm. doing some fun stuff? The website, anything that you want, spit it out. I'll put everything in the show notes for everyone as well in case they want awesome. something. Yeah, so we, um, our social handles are at point three hoops, uh, and then our gaming is at point three gg. Uh, the website is at point is point three gear.com, which will take you to an ability to bifurcate between our gaming and our basketball lines. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, the site is still very much a basketball site with a gaming element to it, but uh, stay tuned. There's, there's more fun stuff coming there. Um, and yeah, man, you know, I think what I'd say to you and, and your listeners is we're, we're learning. We, we know that we're new to this space. Um, we think we've got a leg to stand on as endemic because we have done the work and everyone in my company are gamers. Like we're all hardcore about this stuff. So um, we love getting outreach from people that are native to the space that can help, help us tell stories, help us learn about what drives the tastes and preferences of this consumer. Um, so always excited to connect with folks and really excited to have a chance to be on the show and, and meet you. And again, like you said, shout out to the next up group, which um, there are strategic partners that have come in and we're doing a cap raise now. And, They've come in and they were first money in the round and they're helping us push the, uh, move the needle on getting drive out on a whole bunch of other brands. So it's been, it's an exciting time. And like I said, it's been, it's been a treat to get on here and talk to you about it. Appreciate it, man. You got some good people in your corner, Michael. So thank you one more time, Michael Lucher, the CEO of point three, make sure to go point three gear, point three hoops, point three GG, check them out. They got some good stuff. Appreciate your time today, Michael. Thanks bud. Yes.